What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Top five week continues here on Fantasy Football Today. And a little follow-up from our Movie Dads discussion from yesterday. But mostly, we're all business here. We're all football. (laughs) Christian McCaffrey's going to be number one. We know that. We pretty much know who number two is going to be as well. But we'll talk about the top five and make some cases for players who are outside of the top five. Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Jamie Eisberg once again. Guys, what was an easier call for you, or were they equally easy? Patrick Mahomes as QB1 or Christian McCaffrey as RB1? They were equally easy. If you're going to leave me that option, I'm taking it. Um, McCaffrey was easier. He's so good. He's, I want to say, I did some research on McCaffrey, and I've concluded that he's awesome. I hope that oh, took wow. you 30 seconds. <laughs> Great research. 30 minutes. Yeah, he's amazing. All right, so he's number one. He's entrenched there, even in non-PPR. Do you, do you have a favorite stat? On, on McCaffrey? Yeah. I don't think I've done any notes on McCaffrey. He does not require any notes, but I think I said that he was at least... 2.3 points better than any player in, in any format. That was like non-PPR last year. I don't know. I'll look it up. Let's see. Non-PPR last year. See how much better he was than the rest. Do you think it's encouraging or discouraging that uh, Mike Davis point, performed like he did? 3.4. Uh, better than Dalvin Cook, who was number two. Do I think it's encouraging or discouraging? I think it's encouraging. Right. I would agree, but I think you know some people look at it as you know that the offense was allowing this player to perform at this level, you know, so is it going to allow Christian McCaffrey to perform at that level too? Cause it's a different offense. Remember he didn't get a chance to play very much in this offense, but he, but he okay. did, but he was so good even last year. I mean, yeah. He was pretty no, he was great last year. <laughs> yeah. 20 carries a game. Um, and yeah, 24.4 points per game in non PPR. That's the thing. People are like, Oh, I'm going to take yeah. Henry over McCaffrey and non PPR. No, don't do it. McCaffrey's the best. He's given you at least 15 PPR points in 30 of his last 35 games. That's a hit rate of 86%. Let's bump it up to 20-plus PPR points per game. He's done that 27 of his last 35 games. That's 77%. And he happens to have done that in 25 of his last 29 overall. That's 86%. And he's similarly amazing in non-PPR. He is is reaching uh, the level that Zeke was at once upon a time. And 
I mean, we should just rename it the McCaffrey level at this point because he's so bewildering, yeah. and amazing, exceptional. He he is the 101 in everything but a two-quarterback league. Well, that's the thing. Why not? In a two-quarterback league in 2019, he averaged 29.3... Okay, in any league. In PPR is what I meant to say. In 2019, he averaged 29.3 points per game. In 2020, in only three games, but felt like sustainable, 30.1 points per game. So if he's going to average 29 points per game... You, it's hard to find quarterbacks who do that. So why not take him number one overall in any format? Two quarterbacks, super, what, as long as it's PPR. Oh, I'm okay with superflex because you technically don't have to go with two quarterbacks in a superflex league. And I feel like there oh, is a little crazy. bit. Of you're going with two quarterbacks. There are, it depends on the league scoring. For the most part, you should go with two. But I feel like there's a little less pressure to get that second quarterback higher up in a superflex. But in a two quarterback. Uh, I, I I don't want to deal with the fragility of the running back position that McCaffrey proved last year. Yeah, I'd be good to go with a stud quarter with Mahomes. At yeah, I'm taking McCaffrey number one regardless. There were only two quarterbacks last year in the year of the quarterback. Two quarterbacks that outscored per game 2019 McCaffrey in full PPR. And none of them scored 30 fantasy points per game in 2020, no quarterbacks, but McCaffrey did. So he might be the highest scoring player in PPR scoring. Um, so, yeah, I understand a lot of people are going Mahomes, one overall. Scott Fishbowl is super flex, but it's four point per passing touchdown, right? Right. Yeah. And half PPR, half point for first it's down. Half PPR. And you get points for completion. I'll take McCaffrey. These, these responses are so funny. <laughs> oh, on the dad stuff? <laughs> oh, so good. Here's my next question for you guys. <laughs> Any doubts at all about Dalvin Cook at number two? Uh, uh, EPR, yes. Uh, in any format, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we've, uh, he should be number two. But, um, I mean, look, Derrick Henry was awesome. And mm-hmm. if he gets any semblance of uh, more involvement in the passing game, then he could be just uh, an absolute monster. Saquon Barkley, if he's back at 100%, could be an absolute monster. Um, Alvin Kamara, if he uh, does get the focal point of the offense, could be fantastic. You know, So Dalvin is, is, should be the number two guy, but there's reason to question the guys behind him or he, compare him to the guys behind yeah, him. Yeah, he, he actually outscored Henry in non-PPR per game. So um, And season-long or just per game? Um yeah, just per game. Not season long. Right, just per game, because he missed two games. That's actually... But Alvin guys, outscored them both. Who did? Kamara in PBR outscored them both. In P, in full, yes. But in... Yeah. in not, not in non-PPR. I'm saying, if you're going Henry versus Cook, who do I take in just standard non-PPR old school, da, da, uh, Dalvin Cook was actually better per game than Henry last year, with Henry rushing for 2,000 yards. That's wild. Yeah. 1.3 points per game better. And um, I think injuries, right? I mean... I know every running back can get injured, uh, injured, but Cook, most games he's ever played is 14. How many times last year did he fake us out, right? Leave a game, look like he was out for the year, well, came back and drive later? His, his father passed away last year, so that was... No, but I think I'm talking about in-game, in-game where in-game. it looks like he's hurt and he leaves and everybody yeah. gets really worried, and then he comes back in and yeah. runs like he's, you know, just needed to, like, charge his feet with his <laughs> iPhone charger. Yeah, iFoot charger. Uh, all right, so that's obviously a concern. We'll see how much it matters to people. He's probably going to be the overall number two pick in drafts. 
Uh, we talked about the Scott Fishbowl. Well, you can join us for a Scott Fishbowl mock draft Tuesday night. That's tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. And courtesy of Scott Fish himself, we're giving away spots to this year's Scott Fishbowl League. All you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasyfootballtoday, and leave your Twitter handle on the comments of any of this week's videos. Any video this week, youtube.com slash fantasyfootballtoday. Leave your Twitter handle as a comment. I already saw, right now it's 3 p.m. Eastern, so the uh, the episode we did on Monday, the episode we did on earlier Monday, it's been up for a few hours, and I see a ton of Twitter handles in there. So this is a great way to try to get in the Scott Fish League, Scott Fishbowl Leagues. It's very fun. Fans, analysts, celebrities, you don't want to miss out. All you have to do is subscribe to youtube.com slash fantasy football today and comment with your Twitter handle on any video this week. And good luck to you. And join us at 7 p.m. tonight, Tuesday night, with a Scott Fishbowl mock draft. This is an Eastern time, obviously, because, you know, East is the best. Scott Fish and professional, wrestler, professional wrestler Eric Young will be drafting with us, and we're giving away spots to the leagues to play against Dave and Jamie. That's tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. All right, top five questions for running backs or questions for top five running backs is a better way to say it. Who has the most upside outside of McCaffrey and Cook? Kamara. We've kind of seen it from him. I, I think that's I think that's good. You know, I, I kind of want to be, you know, snazzy and say Jonathan Taylor because I think he's got a shot at 2,000 total yards and a ton of touchdowns. So I will. Okay. Taylor. I mean, listen, you could say that about almost any. Henry has given us 2,000 total yards. Kamara can do it. Uh, Kamara gives us a ton of touchdowns on top of it, lots of catches on top of it. So if it's PPR, it makes sense. But I think Taylor's got a shot at 2,000 total yards and close to 15 touchdowns as well. Yeah, the other one for me would be Barkley just because what we saw from him as a rookie. You know, if he's back to being that guy, then he's going to be better than maybe everybody, including McCaffrey. So um, I would say for me it's Kamara, Barkley, Taylor. Why not Zeke? Zeke's in that conversation too. Absolutely. You know, if he's, uh, you know, all, all the reports are, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should probably say Aaron Jones also, because if uh, um, Aaron Rodgers stays, then you've seen what Aaron Jones can do. So uh, especially now with Jamal Williams gone, if right. the passing game work increases for him, you know, that could be a, a superstar. So there, there's a handful of guys, you know, uh, but, but to your point about Zeke, you know, you got to be concerned a little bit about Tony Pollard taking on more work. And, you know, was he really slowing down last season? Um, or was it just the offensive line and no Dak and, and just that being the, the reason why things fell apart for him. So, um, you know, I, I like what I, what I've heard about Zeke and, you know, he's still young enough and and certainly talented enough and a great offense that he should be a star again, but I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Pollard's role increases just a little bit, just to save some of Zeke's legs. And maybe if they make it to the uh, postseason that they want to make sure he's a hundred percent by the time they get there. Is that the end of the list? I mean, we, we could sit here and make the case for Chubb or Eckler or even Najee. Mixing. But, right. Like, it, there's a difference between making the case but actually, like, believing it. Are there any other running backs that you really believe yeah, I mean, has a shot at 2,000 total yards? There's, there's only one other one that I think has it, but I don't, I don't know if the touchdowns will be there. Uh, Edward Solaire is interesting, um, you know, based on what his upside can be in this offense now that there's really little competition. Um. I think Antonio Gibson's interesting, you know, based on what his opportunity could be in the Washington offense. But look, there's a reason why those guys are being drafted at the back end of the first round, beginning of the second round, where we have them ranked where they are, where they're ranked. 
I mean, if you were to tell me J.K. Dobbins is going to be a 50 catch guy, he'd be a top three running back, you know. So we just know that's not going to happen. So um, there, there's there's a lot of flaws for these other guys, but the ones that we're talking about have the the ceiling higher than everybody else. Eckler, you want to talk about 2,000 total yards? Mm-hmm. And you're talking about 17 games? Sure. Yeah, I, I think Eckler could get there. I think he has massive upside if he could just get some touchdowns. And I, I did bring this up last week, but in his four games without Melvin Gordon to start the 2019 season, he was on pace for, well, let's see, 1,960 total yards, 96 catches, and 24 touchdowns, 12 rushing, 12 That would be realistic. Good. Yeah, it would be good. I, so the, the only reason I bring that up is because those are four games. He had six touchdowns in those four games. They may not be completely afraid of get, using him near the goal line. You don't know how, what this coaching staff. We is don't know, do. right? Yeah. It's a new coaching staff, so yeah. new day, it's a new better way offensive in line. You saw how much he, you know, was catching passes True. from Herbert when he came back from his injury. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot to love about Austin. I, I, I and so this uh, podcast that I did with Fantasy Pros, we were talking about it off the air um, with Joe Pisapia and. Um, Kyle Yates, uh, I had the 12th pick, and um, it's an exercise that they do with with their draft software. So the three of us draft, and then the draft software picks the rest of the teams. And I was left with uh, a choice of Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones at 12. I took Tyree Kill with the first pick, and it uh, it, it it was frustrating because I love both of those guys, and I, I considered taking both, but I thought just taking the best receiver on the board, Devonte Adams had already gone, was a little bit more made a little bit more sense. Um, but in any event. I think Eckler is somebody that I draft a lot of and I'm going to continue to draft a lot of because if he hits to that level, 24 touchdowns notwithstanding, um, he could be a a double-digit touchdown guy with the chance for uh, challenging to be in the top three. I don't think if everybody's healthy, he's going to lead running backs and receptions, but he could be in the top three. And last year, the top three, the top two were <laughs> Alvin Kamara and J.D. McKissick, you know, so... Um, you don't necessarily have to be a featured guy to be a, a leader in receptions, but he has that type of upside. And if you catch those the, as many passes as he can catch, you're going to be a pretty good running back based on the role that you should have. I tried to, well, you know, I'll get into this a little bit later. I, I tried to, uh, I'm tempting to answer who should number two or number three be if we're going McCaffrey Cook. I compared points per game over the last really five seasons for Zeke, Kamara, Barkley, and Henry. And I'll tell you what the comparison looks like. It wasn't. It wasn't like I was averaging them out. I mean, I'm only using the last two years for Henry. I'm only using two years basically for Barkley, and mostly just focusing on one year to see his upside. But it's five years for Zeke. It's four years for Kamara. Uh, it's two years for Henry, and it's one or two for Barkley. So I'll tell you what those numbers look like in a little bit. And you know, Jamie, your first answer was Kamara. So let me just when I asked you who has the most upside out of outside of McCaffrey and Cook, you said Kamara. Dave settled on Taylor. Let me just ask you this about Kamara. Just for fun. I mean, I've got yeah. Kamara ranked third, so. Right. Let me just ask you this about Kamara, though. How much harder is that question to answer without Drew Brees? And how much should we be factoring that in? You got to factor it in. You know, I'm waiting for the next question, which is who has the most downside because it's Kamara. You know, so. Okay, then let's transition. Um, who has the most downside among the top? I put top yeah, six running backs. So. It, it's Kamara without an injury because, again, the, the, there's a change. You know, and while there's a change in coordinator for Henry, there's a change in coordinator essentially for Dalvin Cook. Uh, there's health to factor in with Christian McCaffrey after what you saw a year ago. But, I mean, we saw, you know, Taysom Hill is not going to throw the ball to Alvin Kamara to the same level. I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was at the start of the the games that Taysom Hill started. But 
I also think you have to factor in that there is a mobile quarterback back there compared to a statue back there, and that's going to be different. It's the same thing with Saquon Barkley. He's not going to catch 90 passes like he did from Eli Manning as a rookie. You're probably hoping for 60 with Daniel Jones, and I think that's realistic. But I think Alvin Kamara and this offense will have a lot more design passes because of the coach. And I think after a full offseason, if Taysom Hill is the starter, he will lean on him in that regard. I also think Alvin Kamara is going to run the ball more than he ever has before because of the change in quarterback because Drew Brees isn't going to trust Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill as much as he trusts Alvin Kamara and essentially Latavius Murray, which is why Latavius Murray should be on your radar as a sleeper, even without an injury to Alvin Kamara. So, um, but still, you know, what you're counting on for him is 80 catches. He does that every year when he's healthy. And if he's going to be an 80 catch guy, then he should be the third best running back. But if he's not going to be an 80 catch guy, he's probably going to be closer to six or seven. How nervous are you guys about him? You know, when you just look at, yeah, 80 catches, 80 plus catches every year. But you look at 2019 when he scored six total touchdowns. Uh, he was per he was game. Hurt. Yeah, he was hurt. He was hurt. But per game, he was 14th in non-PPR and he was 8th in full PPR. And touchdowns were a big reason for that because he still averaged, I think, like 4.6, 4.7 yards per carry. It's not like he played poorly. Um, uh, and, and the reason I bring up the touchdowns, you know, is he doesn't, he, unlike the other running backs in this range, he is not a goal line guy. He has never had more than 53% of his team's carries inside the five-yard line. Sometimes that's Latavius Murray. Sometimes that's Taysom Hill. But he's not the de facto goal line guy on his team. Uh, and if their offense just isn't as good and there aren't as many touchdowns, we've already seen what that looks like for Alvin Kamara, and it's not worthy of the third overall pick in either format. No. Um, when, when you put it that way, but we've also seen him, we, we've seen him play well with other quarterbacks. He played well with Bridgewater two years ago. He was, he scored three touchdowns in four games with Taysom Hill last year. He just wasn't catching the ball a lot. And I, I lean with Jamie on this one. You mean to tell me that just because they're changing the quarterback, they're going to completely uh, get amnesia over Alvin Kamara and what he could possibly do. I, I don't see that happening. I went back and I checked to see, just how many targets and catches he had in his career from non-Drew Brees quarterbacks. He's got 42 catches, 338 yards, and one touchdown. It's a 78% catch rate. It's eight yards per catch in about 10 games. So I think it, it's very wise to say that there will be some sort of a decline, and it could be in the neighborhood of four to five catches per game. But that's still going to be per game. really close to wait. 80 catches. Right. That's still... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Maybe it's not a decline It, it made it sound like... The decline was four to five fewer catches per game. No, no, no. That's yeah. how many total he'll have per game. <laughs> okay. Which, I mean, I, I don't have the number of how many he was averaging before, but it's got to be really close to 81 to 83. That's where he was at each of the last four years. Right. And, so I'm, and not, also, I'm not particularly worried about that. The touchdown issue kind of sticks a little bit more just because of Taysom Hill stealing some, Latavius stealing some. Right. It's also, when, when looking at it, though, it's like, you know, you brought this up a lot, Adam, last year. The Broncos game where Taysom Hill started when it was Kendall Hinton starting a quarterback for Denver. Right. They didn't throw the ball very much. So that turned into a Latavius game. Well, you just throw that game out. I mean, right. you know, and, and it's just hard to, I mean, he averaged five yards a carry in that game, you know, so it didn't have to do very much. Uh, the Falcons game and the Bronc, the Falcons game, which is the first one that um, Taysom Hill started, they won 24 9, you know, so how competitive was it where they, you know, needed Alvin Kamara? And then you go to the Eagles game which is uh, the fourth game that Taysom Mills started. He had, seven, he had seven catches in that one. Mm -hmm. And they were chasing They lost. They lost. Right. Yeah. 
Well, but if you're going to tell me that every game they win or every game that they, they win easily, he's going to be bad. And again, that's like, you know. But that that's with, you know, Sean Payton tinkering things on the fly. You know, yeah. it, it was Taysom Hill being the quarterback on the fly. And you also, and I'm with you, you know, it, it, it's nerve wracking. But at the same time, okay, he's now four games in as a starter. Did he feel fully comfortable with the offense and using Kamara more as a pass catcher? Look, I had the number three pick last week. I took Kamara. I, I like I said at the, when I we did the show afterwards, I was like, I'm not gonna over, I'm not gonna overthink also this. Had the wrong format. <laughs> yeah, it was half PPR. I thought it was full PPR because it was last year, same league. Uh, I still would take him third overall. I'm not gonna overthink it. You know what? He's incredible. He's a great, great player behind an excellent offensive line. If they don't make him the focal point of the offense, they're screwing up. Let's just not overthink it. Uh, Dave, so that was Jamie's answer. Who has the most downside among the top six running backs? What would you say? I'd say Saquon is up there as someone that's got some significant downside. The offensive line, you mentioned it being a, a big strength for Alvin Kamara. I think it's a huge weakness for Saquon Barkley. And the play calling in New York was kind of uninspiring last year. I know that they got some good numbers out of Wayne Gallman, but I, I just I, I'm I'm nervous about that offense in general, Adam. And I'm not doing this to pick on you or, or to turn this into, you know, the New York Giants talk show, but I, I think there's some significant downside for a guy coming off of a major knee injury playing behind a bad offensive line and with a suspect quarterback who seems to be especially affected by a bad offensive line and especially on a team that added talent in the passing game. So I, I'm a little nervous to take Saquon Barkley. I, I want him to fall to five at the absolute. The, the, the soonest I will take him is at five. All right, well, let's get into your rankings then. One, McCaffrey. Two, Cook. Who's number three? Uh, to me, it's format dependent. I like Kamara third in PPR and half PPR. And I like Derrick Henry second in non-PPR. Cook would be third. Okay, so Henry and non and... Oh, Henry second? Henry is second for Whoa, me in non-PPR. Oh, Dave. What's wrong with that? Uh, nothing, but I did say Cook was significantly better per game than... I know. I know what you said. And you, you know... You even gave I think numbers. Henry. I think Henry could see his efficiency go up even more now that Julio's there, and okay. maybe there's a plan for them to take some touches off of him. But uh, you know, we talk about Derrick Henry having 400 touches in consecutive seasons. I think Cook has. It's either 350 or like 340 touches each of the last two seasons. So it's not as much as Henry, but it's still a lot. So let me get this I, straight I, here. I still feel like Henry is the is the better bet in non PPR because I, I don't see the catches going crazy for Derrick Henry. Cook's got an edge on him there. They'll both score a lot of touchdowns, but I like Henry better. Okay, so in non-PPR, you go McCaffrey, Henry, Cook? Correct. And in half or full, you go McCaffrey, Cook, Camara. Correct. Okay, Jamie, what about you? Um, in full PPR, it is McCaffrey, Cook, Camara, Henry, Barkley. In non or half PPR, it is McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Camara, Barkley. So Henry ahead of Kamara in non or half PPR. Yes. Okay. So why? Why in why in half PPR? I think that Derrick Henry once again can lead the NFL in rushing. I think he's going to have a chance for, you know, 1800 plus rushing yards again, uh 15 plus touchdowns again. I think that he's going to be a little bit more involved in the passing game, but not by anything that's going to overwhelm you, but uh, the concerns that I brought up with with Kamara in anything where you're not getting a full point per catch, I think warrants consideration. Yeah, what if those catches go down considerably? What if he only gets 55 catches? If Breeze were still quarterbacking, would you have Kamara third? 
In half PPR? Um, in half, yes. In non, no. Okay. Because, yeah, the numbers, the last few years, here's what Camara has averaged per game in half PPR. Last three seasons. 20.5, 15, that was his bad year, mm-hmm. and 22.4. So 20.5, 15, and 22.4. Here's what Henry has averaged the last two seasons in half PPR. 19.4 and 20.4. So yeah. at his best, Kamara has been two full points better than Henry at his best in half PPR. Uh, three years ago, Kamara was at 20.5 points per game, and last year, Henry was at 20.4 points per game. So in that sense, they're very similar. You did see more downside, though, from Kamara. But at his best, Kamara has been better in half PPR than Derrick Henry. It's interesting when you take a look at these offenses because I, I, I think most people when you first say it, would say, oh, the Saints. But which team has the better offense right now? Yeah, the Titans. The Titans. Right. And it's uh, number one receiver. Yep. Comparable. Number, well, number, certainly number two receiver. <laughs> number two receiver. <laughs> Quarterback, you're going to give the edge to the Titans. Quarterback, well, potentially, but I, I think most people give the edge to the Titans. And uh, running back is kind of a wash. Yeah. They're just so, so different. They're so different. So different, yep. All right, uh, number four running back is... I know Henry I, for me it's Henry in full PPR and half PPR or not in half PPR. I think we're the same one through four in PPR. One through five in PPR, yeah. Uh yeah, Henry's four for me in half PPR as well. Uh and then in non PPR, let me check. Make sure it's Camara, it's Camara. In non PPR it's Camara and Yeah, non PPR for me, McCaffrey, Henry, Cook, Camara. Who's five? Saquad. <laughs> Jamie, what's your top five? Um, it's the same five in PPR. In non-PPR, I have Taylor over Barkley. All right. So we're looking at McCaffrey one everywhere. We're looking at two through four, depending on format, is some combination of Cook, Henry, Kamara. And then five is Saquon Barkley for Dave and Jonathan. You said Jonathan Taylor? Yes. Okay. All right. And and I, I, not I'm, PPR, but in non-PPR, you like Taylor. I'm, I'm almost at the point of putting Zeke ahead of Barkley as well. Got some tough choices to make, huh? Why yeah. not? And why not Aaron Jones? He's been top five two straight years. If you tell me for sure that Aaron Rodgers is there, then Aaron Jones will probably be in my top five. <laughs> How about you, Dave? I don't think he'll be top five. I mean, there, there's still a lot of ifs to play out. If Saquon Barkley is healthy and if he's ready to go for the start of the season with no limitations, if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, if Tony Pollard doesn't take away more work than he has in the past. If Jonathan Taylor just completely turns Marlon Mack into a bench roll guy, a two-touch-per-game guy, this is where the ifs are coming in. I think Jamie talked about this. These are some of the like minor nitpicks that we've got to put on some of these guys. Right, and 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 Jones, you know, like you said, or like I said before, you know, he could easily pick up those, I think it's 31 catches that, that Jamal Williams left, you know, by going to Detroit. But how much does he lose from A.J. Dillon? And how much, as a rusher, you know, how much does he lose uh, goal line opportunity? I mean, he scored 25 touchdowns the last two seasons, you know. And, and, and obviously, when you look at the two, one's 5'8", and one's 5'11". You know, and it's, uh, one's got quads that are bigger than the other guy's body. So <laughs> it's, um, it, it's kind of hard to say that Aaron Jones keeps all those chances. And, and Dillon, maybe if he gets the hot hand and, and starts to get rolling in a couple of games, then they use Jones more in the Williams role completely for that game specifically. And then you're just looking at a guy that is going to be 
A, touchdown dependent, B, reception dependent, and how much of that will be contingent on who's the quarterback you know, for that particular game. Because Aaron Rodgers can still be the quarterback for the Packers, but he may not show up until whatever day he's got to show up to accrue the amount of games he has to keep the season so he can get out of there sooner than he wants to. I think this is interesting information just along those lines of Jones and Dylan and what role they might play. Last year, uh, Aaron Jones on carries of three yards or closer, 18 for 34. That's anywhere on the field. If you get near the goal line, it's three for eight. So he wasn't exactly money every single time he was up against the goal what's line the league average, or in short yardage. Most of these running backs I'm finding is are close to 60%, if not significantly over 60%. So that's, that's, that's bad. Right now, I, I haven't done, I haven't finalized the study yet, but there's some running backs I haven't gotten to, but it's not great. And look, they have a new center. Great. They have a new center. They have a left tackle that's coming back from significant injury. Reports are he's going to be fine. So, you know, there's, there's reason to have some flaws with Aaron Jones. But I think, you know, again, for what he's accomplished for the last two seasons under Matt LaFleur, it's tough to overlook. Fantastic. And, and again, you know, if, uh, they, they ran it back for a reason from a front office standpoint. They thought that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. You know, NFC Championship game each of the last two seasons. They feel like their defense is better. So if Aaron Rodgers comes to his senses and says he wants to play for the Packers and that's something that is going to make him comfortable, then you got to be excited about Aaron Jones. Like I have Aaron Jones in, in, in a keeper league with a third round, third round value. I'm, I'm ecstatic about that if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. I'm still loving it if Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback, but not as much. Yeah. And look, I mean, you mentioned their front office. Their front office has had a really good offseason. So everything's gone very smoothly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some members of their front office. <laughs> um, as far as Ezekiel Elliott goes, I want you all to know, here's where he's been per game in five seasons. And this is, let's take last year and let's just take the Dak Prescott games. Uh, he's been top. You, mean you shouldn't evaluate the Cowboys based on the non-Dak Prescott games? <laughs> I mean, I, look, I, I think there are reasons to be concerned. He was pretty disappointing without Dak, but with all, that offensive line was also one of the worst in football. Um, I think I, you know, I hate to say this, but I think he quit. I think he, you know, like why am I going to burn myself out for this? Well, they were in the playoff race, if you recall. They all, yeah, were but I mean, late, again, but... I'm I'm totally speculating. I have no idea. I didn't speak to anybody about this. This is just you know watching him. Like he just didn't look like he wanted he, to be there. He, he was Did playing humbling on purpose. He was playing and, hurt. For he was, can you blame him? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't. I would. Yes, if that's the case, yes, I would blame him for not playing hard. Or yeah, whatever. I mean, you're paid to play hard, but the numbers suggest, like, this isn't going to surprise anybody. 106.7 total yards per game with Dak, 79 total yards per game without Dak. But it was basically like, we're going to kill you. <laughs> right, right, right. You have no line and no quarterback. Right. So it would be interesting to go back and watch, and I can do this. I've got the time to do this, to see just how often he was fighting for yardage and trying to make a, an impromptu play, something like that, versus I'm about to get hit, I'm going to go down and conserve, preserve my body. It's an interesting theory. I won't go through all the per-game numbers. It's Obviously, he's been elite. He's been top six every year per game uh, when when Dak Prescott has played. But I, the problem is that th- people are noticing they, he may not be the same player anymore. In the last two seasons, he's averaging a 20-yard carry, 20 or more yards, once every 78 carries. In his first three seasons, it was once every 29 carries. But even with that, two years ago, he wasn't getting big plays, and he was a top-five running back per game. So he catches the ball. Their offense is really good. Their offensive line is... PFF has them as, like, number seven... Top five, maybe? I don't know. They're top up ten. there, but that's presuming they stay healthy. I think they were top seven at worst, so... Yeah. Um, when they're healthy, they've got a good, good front five... Uh, they got Inseki to be their swing tackle. I think that's a plus. 
this is why you draft Tony Pollard. This is why you draft Gus Edwards. This is why you draft Daryl Henderson and throw AJ uh, Dillon in there and, and Latavius Murray and AJ Dillon, because these guys are in good offenses that if they ever get the chance to be the featured guy, we saw it with Tony Pollard last year, mm-hmm. if he has a chance to be the featured guy, he could be awesome. And so, you know, Zeke should still dominate touches. I mean, he's going to be at least a 70% touch guy. There, there's no doubt about that based on how they've operated in the past, but it may not be a 90% touch guy like we've seen when things have been going right for him. Because, again, I think they want to preserve him. They also realize that Pollard can be a good running back if given the chance. Tough schedule, too. All right, we basically have covered the top five. Let me ask you this. I know that the three of us, to varying degrees, just kind of uneasy about spending a very high pick on a guy who's had so much work like Derrick Henry. You know, are we still feeling that? uneasiness or have we just moved past I'm resigned to the fact that Derrick Henry is like the Terminator and it doesn't matter how hard you hit him he's just going to come right back up and plow into your defense for 10 yards on the next carry and 20 (laughs) yards on the carry after that I just he is a machine he told us in person at the Super Bowl two years ago when we said how are you feeling? He was like, I feel great. I could play another 16 games right now. That was in February after the after the year ended and then he went out there and he did it so he's he's an anomaly, man. He's just he's and if you sit next to him, you see it. I mean, he's built like a linebacker. He's unbelievable. So I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not worried about the workload on him. Okay, I've asked former players. I can remember. Plus, like he's jumping onto like giant boxes with chains around his arms and alligators, you know, eating his kneecaps. They've got lions helmets on. <laughs> he's just he's doing these incredible like tra- He's got this unbelievable training regimen. Yeah. Now I was going to say, I've asked former players. I remember specifically DeMarco Murray. I asked him about having that kind of workload and if it affects you the next season. And I can't remember the other ones I've asked, but every time I've asked someone, they've said no. But the funny thing is the numbers suggest that that those seasons do usually take a, a toll, but it could just be coincidental. But these players like, no, they just want the ball. Uh, all right. Anything else, guys? About the top five running backs? Yeah. I mean, I can give you a dark horse for the top five, the top five finisher. I mean, it's a guy you're going to take in round two, but I think Cam Akers has a shot at 2,000 total yards. He projected for, he paced for that much based on his last six games, including the playoffs. And I I don't know how many catches he's going to have. I think he'd be lucky to have north of 45 in a 17-game season, but I think he will also benefit greatly from having Matthew Stafford under center in L.A. He's so polarizing because, I mean, you know, he he did that without doing anything in the beginning of the season. He got beat it, up. It was, it, yeah. And is he going to get beat up again? I mean, you know, that's yeah, the, the concern. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's why I said Daryl Henderson. You know, it's a, it's another scenario of if the guy who has the chance goes down, then the backup guy could be great. And Daryl Henderson, look, he wasn't as efficient or as prolific as Akers was. But he got that work at the beginning of the season. You know, he was getting, you know, double-digit carries. He wasn't working as much in the passing game. But at that point, when Akers was doing it, Henderson wasn't around. At least Akers was around when Henderson was doing his, you know, big numbers at the start of the season. So, it's, uh, it, yeah, I mean, Akers could easily do that. You know, and, and I spoke to him last week, you know, and he, he was as excited as anybody you could talk to to get the chance to, you know, build off what he did at the end of the season. But the two playoff games, which is what a lot of people look at, Henderson didn't play in those games. And so can he be that feature guy without somebody else being there? And the, the nice thing is Malcolm Brown's gone. The downside is, is do they like Henderson enough that he's going to be too much of a factor to ruin what Akers can be? 
Akers had 11 catches in 14 games. That's going to stand out to people. But he had 30 catches his junior year at Florida State. He can catch the ball. Matthew Stafford with the Lions, different coaches, different coordinators. He has had a he had uh, well Detroit. Let me say this has had a 50 catch running back seven of the last nine seasons, and they've had two other instances where Reggie Bush once, Carryon Johnson once have been on pace for 50. So he throws to his running backs, and Acres can do it. We'd like, and they've talked about him. They've talked about using him as a yep. receiver. They've talked about getting him involved in the oh, passing yeah. game. You almost feel a little bit better about him improving his receiving numbers than J.K. Dobbins. Um, I do. Yeah, I agree. I think you have to. But you know, I asked him about that, and he said, you know, that that's something that he's hoping is going to come to fruition. You know, that they're going to actually use him more in that because he did it at Florida State too. Yeah, and we've seen the Rams do it before. I mean, it was with Gurley back yeah. when Gurley was amazing. He caught a ton of footballs. So uh, I think it's I think it's possible. Maybe he can get to 50 catches in 17 games. Yeah, the, the question catches. is, you can like Cam Akers all you want. Are you really taking him over DeAndre Hopkins or Stephon Diggs? I guess you could try to take both. Yeah, if, I want to, if I want to lock up that running back spot. Yeah. yeah. That just feels like very risky it's a drafting risk. to it's me. It's a risk. Huge risk. Huge risk. Probably. <laughs> okay. Um, but what's the drop-off at receiver by the time you're up again in I middle late round three? I actually think it's fairly significant. Okay. Well, what do you think? I mean, you might be no, able to No, I don't get, think like, it's... I, I, it could be a couple of points a week, which is significant, I guess, but I, I know, I know I'm going to find a receiver. Spot. Yeah, I know I'm going to get a receiver that I'm totally it's, fine starting the, in the, round three and four. The question becomes, would you rather have Akers and CeeDee Lamb or would you rather have Hopkins and Mike Davis? No, uh, no, no. It'll no. be a little better than Mike yeah, Davis. I think okay, Hopkins be, and David Montgomery. I think... That's well, better. I'll tell you what. If it's Chris Carson, then... Don't say is, it. Is that not different? Because I I like Carson better than it, Mike it Davis. It could be. I mean, it's you know you're you're taking you're taking that risk. You know, it's uh, it, it's like it, maybe C D Lamb's probably not the best example because you're talking about two guys that are could it be Robert Woods or Alan but if Robinson? it's or, or Amari Cooper, you know, if you're taking you know what what Acres could be plus what Amari Cooper has been versus what David Montgomery was last year and or, or Chris Carson was you know when he's been healthy and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I think a lot of people probably take the latter. What would you guys do? Let's let's look at it. I would take the former. I don't. I forgot. I don't know which Akers is first. <laughs> you all right? So the running backs going Akers, and then like Cooper, Woods, Allen Robinson, one of those guys, or Hopkins slash Diggs in round two, and then Montgomery or Carson in round three. I'm taking the I'm taking the guy that's got the best shot at two thousand total yards. Well, yeah, wide receiver is not going to do that. No, what a wide receiver. What these wide receivers that we're talking about are in the you know thirteen hundred yard, a hundred catch range. Who? Diggs and Hopkins. Uh, are you not selling them short on their yards a little bit here? We're talking seventeen games. I think they get to fifteen hundred yards. I would say fifteen hundred easy. Okay, if they're right. Sure. When you, when you so combine then the catch yards is and more than makes up for that. Well, yeah. When you combine yards more, who and gets catches, more touchdowns, and which position do you want to, you know, lock up first? And this is sky high. This is the ceiling for everybody. When you Maybe it's yards more reasonable catches. to say that the receiver can hit that. It's more reasonable to say that one of these receivers can get you 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns and 100 catches versus Cam Akers getting 2,000 total. That's my point. Well, I think the thing is, though, you, you, you control your own destiny a little bit more because you can take one of these running backs in the range that you know you're going to get them, whereas you have to hope to get a Carson or a Montgomery if they're still there with somebody else doesn't snipe you, and then you're settling for a Mike Davis or a Chase Edmonds as opposed to you know there's that large group of wide receivers, yeah. whether it it's the unproven C.D. Lamb or 
Jamar Chase or whatever guy you're going to, you know, throw in that range, or it's the Robert Woods or Allen Robinson or Mike Evans, right. or Chris Godwin, or those guys. And you're pairing them with what those running backs and the hope that they can be. There's obviously more risk with the running backs. That's always going to be the case. Yeah. I find it funny that acres. I understand that Jonathan Taylor was destined to be everybody's favorite year two running back. Totally makes sense. I, I find it interesting that acres has just become number two, you know, does does anybody have a different running back ranked ahead? I think Heath has Swift ahead of Acres in PPR. I have the rankings up. I can tell you uh, in PPR. Yeah. In PPR, Heath has. Um, I mean, I've got Najee ahead of Swift. I've got Antonio well, Gibson ahead yeah, of Swift. But just in ahead PPR. Of, oh, ahead of Heath, Swift. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the top 200. Uh, Heath has. <laughs> I, I, well, anyway, I just think it's interesting that people are so. He has no acres ahead of Swift. Okay. Um, it was it was stolen. interesting though. The this again this fantasy pros podcast that I did Swift fell to the third round. Um, yeah. And was uh, so Kyle Yates, one of the analysts on Fantasy Pros, he took Chris Carson ahead of, um, ahead of Swift, and he said he's concerned about the offense being bad, Jared Goff being bad, Jamal Williams being a problem in the passing game for Swift. And, you know, brought up a lot of the concerns that I think a lot of people have on top of the fact that they still may sign Todd Gurley, who they brought in for, um, you, you know, to, to work out. So if, in fact, there's a, another mouth to feed there, you know, Swift could be a little bit of a, uh, a risk. But, you know, he, you know, was on pace for over 50 catches last year. We saw the touchdowns. We saw what he was able to do once they finally let him be the lead running back there. So there's there's a lot to like about him. But I could see Gibson being better. I mean, look, there's. This group, and I just finished writing a, a story for our magazine about this group. This group has bus potential written all over it. I mean, you know, from Taylor with, as Dave said, Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines being on passing downs. And look, the schedule was great for Taylor down the stretch, but now there's a, there's, there's a volatile quarterback as opposed to a calming presence at quarterback. And, um, you know, what happens if Carson Wentz stinks again? Uh, Akers, you know, we, we just brought up, you know, Adam, you said the, the reception total. And if Henderson is there, Gibson is still trying to work his way into learning the running back position. And they have a guy who can catch passes. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was was a bust in the second half of the season when they brought somebody else in. Who says who's to say they don't bring somebody else in? Dobbins doesn't catch the ball, at least as of now. You know, so you can see the bust potential for that group, and it's going to be the group I think that decides fantasy in, in a lot of ways. Hundred percent. I was about to say that. Yep. And, and you know, like I, I I did some research on this, like just looking at comparative classes. The only one that comes close in the last ten years is the 2017 class, which was Fournette, McCaffrey, um, Aaron Jones. Uh, was that Kamara. the Cook, Cook Mixon or no? Um, no. No, that might so. I don't know. I, I, let me find it. Um, I thought it was. It, it was, uh, you know, that group, and, and, and that group continues to produce, you know, so. But in terms of what they did as rookies and, and sophomores. Yeah, they are. Gonna, I mean, they're all being drafted so early, these sophomore running backs. They're going to have a huge impact on fantasy outcomes. Let's see, running backs in yeah, 2017. 2017 draft did have Cook. Right, Fournette, McCaffrey, Cook, Mixon, Kamara, Kareem Hunt. Holy cow. Deontay Foreman, James Conner. You had Samaje Pirine, Tariq Cohen, Jamal Williams, Marlon Mack so, later, Aaron as Jones. Rook, as, rookies, as rookies, I just did the ones that finished in the top 20. Uh, Fournette was 8. Year 2, he was 12. This is PPR and points per game. Uh, McCaffrey was 15. He was 3 in his uh, second year. Uh, Cook, even though he played 4 games, was number 9. He was 18 his second year. Injuries were a problem, obviously, for both those years. Uh, Camaro was four and four both seasons. Hunt was, Hunt was um, five and eight, um, and that was 11 games the next year. But that also had uh, James Conner as well in that class. 
So that you'd have to say they were pretty successful as your two backs. That's the best class that I've seen. You know, and again, I just went back to 2010 and looking at that. The the what I did was I looked at the running backs drafted in the first three rounds, guys that finished in the top. I'm sorry, I did top 30 in points per game and how they did the following season. And but that's the only group that had guys that finished in both categories multiple year over year, as many as those as that group did. So this group can be good, and they didn't have as many finish in the in the top 30 points per game. You know, Cam Akers was a disaster in terms of his overall points because he was so bad in the beginning right. and he didn't exactly miss a lot of time. Right, right. Okay, we're going to take a break, do some news and notes when we come back, and Jamie's going to read some funny tweets. We'll be right back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, news and notes. So uh, I wanted to ask you guys about the Jaguars running back situation. You know, when you talk about who should be the second best rookie running back. Let's just take the guy who was consistent from week one all season long, basically, James Robinson. No, but it does seem like Robinson's going to have a nice role. So give me your thoughts on the Jacksonville situation. And also Vic Fangio, the Broncos head coach, he even talked about Mike Boone being part of the running back conversation. I don't know if you put any stock into that. Uh, Dave, give me your thoughts on Jacksonville. Robinson's kind of climbing up my board a little bit as someone who I'm okay taking maybe even as high as round seven. I, He's not I like going the, there. That's the problem. He's where's going he going? Five. Yeah, that's too early. So right. maybe I'm just behind the curve on this, and maybe eventually I'll I'll warm up to that ADP. I don't I, think so. I think I think you're no. To, to me, round seven is right. Like I'd say round six is. is probably, I mean, there was a point where we were talking about like round nine and round ten for him, where we were just leaving him on the side of the road. But yeah, it. I, I first off, training camp's going to be big for that team, and and whatever yeah. they show us in any preseason action, because if they use ETN strictly as a receiver then round five may be too low. You know, right. he might be a round three guy based on what he showed us last year. But if they are going to use ETN like they should, which is using them both in the backfield, Robinson should still be very good. It's just he's not going to obviously come close to what he did last year when he was averaging three and a half catches per game. He had 49 catches on the season, but he missed the final two games of the year. He was awesome. He was absolutely fantastic. And it's funny because I spoke to him for this magazine story, and uh, the one of the PR guys for the Jaguars asked me, oh, is this going to be like a like – a, he wants to know, is this going to be like a rank list? And I said, no, it's not going to be a rank list of the second-year running backs. I'm just doing a story on it. But when you rank him in this group, he's behind the top six. You know, there, there, there are six standout guys that are going in the first 26 overall picks uh, based on NFC from May through June. And he's the next guy, you know. But is he closer to that group? Or is he closer to, let's say, Zach Moss and A.J. Dillon, who are the next two? Dylan's actually going ahead of Moss, you know, depending on how you feel about Zach Moss. But, you know, which which group is he closer to? Is he closer to the, the superstars or is he closer to the maybes? And Dylan is a different maybe than Moss because Moss can be, you know, good on his own. But Robinson, I think, is 
If he was going two rounds later, like you said, Dave, round seven. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. But he's yeah, going in a range that just number doesn't three make running sense. back you're happy. Is he with. going ahead yeah. of Javante Williams? Yes. Should he be going ahead of Javante Williams? No. No. All right. Minnesota, he's going ahead of Michael uh, Carter, too. I don't like that. He's going ahead of Raheem Mostert. I don't like that either. I said Minnesota for Mike Boone. He's not on Minnesota anymore. Denver coach Vic Fangio talking about Mike Boone. Do we care about this? Um, I think they if I think they're starting to prefer a multi-back approach. I don't think they want to lean on just one guy. Well, yeah, we know that. But is it going to be a three-back approach or a two-back approach? I think Mike Boone is like Malcolm Brown. You know, so he's going to mess things up for everybody. He's going to be a little bit of a problem early. Uh, he's if this also could be motivating Javante Williams too. you know, hey, you're not guaranteed to be the second guy. You got to come in and prove it. Mm. Uh, and Melvin Gordon, you're not necessarily going to be the featured guy. You know, we have two other guys now that can take your job away. So um, I was looking at before the draft, Mike Boone as a sleeper because Melvin Gordon, we saw last year, banged up a little bit, getting older. Uh, they brought him in. And, and Mike Boone, I know, was everybody's a failure, you know, week 16, two years ago. Um, but he still has the opportunity to, in, in the right situation, produce. It's just not going to be getting enough touches if everybody's healthy. It's 17 games, though. You're going to hear this a lot. They need a lot of running backs. It's true. It's, it's, That's it's, everybody. it's the type of position that you're going to have to have a lot of bodies. And so on that team, who's the best running back, talent-wise? I think when you factor in age, know. I'm going to take Javante Williams. I, me too. So I'm taking him over Gordon. Oh, I don't yeah, think that that's baby. a shock. And and I think that he'll be the best one. I think you'll be happiest with him, even though there might be some games, even with Melvin Gordon's hurt, where he's only getting you 15 touches. I love the highlights, though. Every I was taking him over Gordon since the night of the draft, the second night of the draft. Um, yeah, the re- the only reason why you take Melvin is because you, you're going zero RB and you want somebody that can start maybe the first couple of games. And that's assuming that... He is the starter, and it's assuming that he makes the team and all that stuff in Denver. But who, who? I mean, the the traffic light will change, and eventually Javante will be the one there. It's just a matter who, of who life. making the final roster: Boone or Gordon? Gordon. Boone's going to make it. Oh, Gordon's making the final. roster. I think he is. What if he absolutely sucks? Well, I don't know. I mean, he he was pretty good last year. Just I don't know if it's a cap situation, or I don't know what they would save if they cut him. But uh, all right, uh, that's pretty much all I got in terms of news. Let oh, what's going on with the tweets, Jamie? Oh my gosh, this is hysterical. So I uh, mentioned this on Monday show that I was going to give away two spots to mock draft with us um, for our draft Tuesday night. So you see the tweet here if you're watching on the YouTube page. I said, I need two people who are already in the Scott Fishbowl 11 who want to do a mock draft with us, uh, but reply here with the fictional dad you like better out of John McClain and Mrs. Doubtfire. And we obviously uh, talked about this on Monday show. And... um, that conversation continued off air as Adam and I were texting about who's the better father, John McClain or Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> so I'll read you a few of these. Um, this one seems to be getting a lot of uh, traction uh, from Maddie Daddy 247. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire with five stars. Well, I hope you're up for a little competition. She's got a power tool in the bedroom, dear. If you uh, yes. <laughs> uh, my first day as a woman of getting hot flashes. Uh, too many good scenes by a comedian like any other makes everything better and relatable. And then a couple of people posted the what's a better line than hello when um, with the greeting. Hello. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where's another one that I liked? Um, there, there's a lot. Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> is crushing these comments. It appears. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire is getting a lot of a lot of love. Uh, uh, Matt Donnelly, who uh, I'm actually doing his podcast on, on Monday night. Um, 
he wrote, come on, we've all had that conversation in the playground. That man, that man's dad can beat up your man, your dad. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure this would be no contest. Um, the Joey Wright, who's a fan of a friend of the program. Joey. Um, uh, he wrote, he wrote, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire because the way he throws the line means he's probably ha- good at having catch. Also, he's willing to do anything just to be with his kids. Um, uh, the answer is Mrs. Doubtfire. He let his kids listen to the House of Pain and have ho- a horse in the house. Then to make sure he got to spend time with his well, kids. Well, wait a second. Kids. He that was Daniel Hillard who allowed that. That wasn't Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, I mean the same dad. Yeah, <laughs> the same, but but the same person. I guess. I guess. All right, I'll, I'll allow it. Team Doubtfire. Um, so did you pick your winners yet? No, I didn't. I'm probably going to pick somebody who picked pick both. Um, I got a couple of these. Uh, uh, John McClain, because he taught me how to keep keep my cool while I wait until round eight to draft a wide receiver and make fists with your toes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, somebody wrote John McClain, Mrs. Doubtfire's actions are honestly a little creepy, and John McClain is basically a badass Santa. Um uh, John McClain, every Father's Day, he should get a card from Holly saying, thanks for saving me from terrorists twice. <laughs> um, a lot of Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire, less chance of getting shot. Definitely spends more time with the kids. The clothing options be, be appeared to be much more variety over a white tank top, pants, and no shoes. Uh, but there's definitely some risk with Mrs. Doubtfire, and it's a, a gif of uh, her burning herself while cooking. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um Somebody wrote one. I, I didn't see it, but uh, about the ability to show your children that you can be both a man and a woman, um, or doing the job of mom. I think is, is what it said. And uh, somebody wrote, "It's McLean. As much as I adore, adore, and miss the hell out of Robin Williams, I can't help but still say yippee ki mf when I'm about to flip a steak or picture Hans Gruber falling from Nakatomi Plaza when I drop my phone." <laughs> <laughs> that is a diehard fan right there. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Uh, check out Jamie's tweet and comment. And uh, yeah, I, I think I tweeted this last time I saw the movie, which is only a few weeks ago. But you you can't somebody I challenge you. Tell me a better comedic performance than the dinner scene, than Robin Williams in the dinner scene. Yeah, I was pretty blown excellent. away by how good it was. I, I don't even know that I ever realized how good he was. He, I really as someone who doesn't drink and has never been drunk. I hate when people act drunk. I hate when actors act drunk. He is so good. He nails it. He's very convincing in the in the stages of how drunk he gets. He was probably drunk. Probably. <laughs> I, I mean, but I mean, he just nailed it, and he didn't go over the top. And I just think that that whole thing is a masterpiece. I think it is the best comedic acting I have ever seen. That one scene. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. If there's anything, let, let me let me mind. share with you uh, our text. Oh God! Because they were funny. Um, what did you say? Uh, oh, I told you that I was doing five podcasts today, and you said, "Wow, not even Father of the Year John McClane has done that many shows in a day." And I said, "He spends time with his his kids, unlike Mrs. Doubtfire." And you wrote, "That's exactly what Mrs. Doubtfire does." And I said, "Not while she's acting. Remember, she took a show uh, at the end of the movie to be away from her kids." And you wrote, "John McClane lives such a disgusting low class life. <laughs> of course, his son followed in his footsteps." Great job, John, putting putting your kids at risk. And so I wrote um, that Mrs. Doubtfire got divorced, burned her boobs, poisoned a man, and no wonder her name has doubt in it. And I said, poison John, James Bond, no yeah, less. Yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah, we went there. Um, it was good. It was a pretty good text. No comments from Schrager the entire time. Yes. James and then I asked you, yeah, if, you're, 
I asked you if your kids were attacked at a, uh, by a terrorist at a Christmas party, which, which dad would you rather have? And I said the one who would entertain the terrorists to death. That's right. That's very clever. Yes. All right. That's good stuff. That's Jamie. That's me and Jamie uh, for much of our time. Okay. Let, let me read some emails here before we go. I'm just going to read them straight out of the inbox. Hopefully they're good. Uh, this is from Daniel from Seattle. Do you think any of you might be low on Stafford from McVeigh himself? Bro, this dude's a bad yippee bleeper, you know. Uh, this dude's a bad bleeper. Whatever people say about him, as good as it can be, he's even better than advertised. That's what McVeigh said, apparently. What would you guess right now Stafford's ADP is among quarterbacks? Forget the round. Forget the draft. Like where does he rank Where up does he him? rank in 13. quarterback? 13. He is higher than that. 12. He is higher than that. Four. No, no lower than that. He is ten. ten. Too high. But yeah, once you start getting past, you know, he right now he's going ahead of Tannehill, which I think will change. Um, he's going ahead of Jalen Hurts. I think I don't like that. Um, he's going ahead of Brady, I believe. Um, don't like that. Uh, but he's in that group. I think he's in that conversation. Okay. Uh, next email is from Kyle. Twelve team PPR. I start two running backs and two wide receiver slash tight end spots and one wide receiver tight end running back, regular flex spots. I have picked 12 and 13. I think the best players available will be Taylor, Akers, Harris, Mixon, Ridley, Diggs, and Kelsey. What would you do? Taylor. Taylor and Kelsey. Yeah, just, yeah, Taylor and Kelsey. I'm not sure. Oh, oh, because he doesn't have to start a, a tight end. Okay, so never mind then. I don't think I'd take Kelsey. It's PPR. Mm. He's got two running back spots, two running two wide receiver slash tight end spots, which are probably going to be tight ends, or probably going to be wide receivers, and one flex. So what are the options again? Yeah, Taylor's going to be a yes. Akers, Harris, Mixon, Ridley, Diggs, Kelsey. Um, I'm still kind of tempted to go with Kelsey. Just because of the consistency him. that he's given. You think he's going to be, he'd have to outscore no, like, Ridley I, I think and Diggs. There's, obviously, the upside is higher with a lot of the other players that are on there. And this is not a three receiver league. This is a two receiver league with a flex. So you could, you know, could take two running backs. You could. Yeah, if I'd you probably were, go Harris. I'd take Akers over Harris. To me, it's either Akers or Kelsey. Okay. I just, I don't know why you'd go Kelsey over Diggs or Ridley. Yeah, I would rather have Diggs Ridley than Kelsey, but I would take Harris over all of them. At that point, it's just who's going to score more points. It has nothing to do with position scarcity. Right. Right? Okay. Um, now, he might, score, he might score more points. He was pretty damn good last year. Top four wide receiver, I think. He was better on a per-game basis in PPR than Diggs by a third of a point wow. last year. <laughs> wow. All right, keeper decision from Daniel. 10-team, half PPR. I can only keep the player for one season. Two receiver league. Kelsey in the third. Ridley in the sixth. Josh Allen in the 15th. And only keeping one? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kelsey in the third is just so hard to give up. Kelsey in the third, Ridley in the sixth, Allen in the 15th. They are all really tough. I feel like Ridley, I mean, how long can you keep him for? Does it say? One year, one year. Oh, it's only one year? Mm-hmm. It's Kelsey. Okay. Let's go to Jacob, whose email says, all, all hail Daniel Jones, the greatest athlete of all time. He's, oh, they, he wanted it to be right on the air. 
You have no idea how many Daniel Jones subject lines I get now. And the emails are never about Daniel Jones. We see him. Okay. Dave, let's check your history here. Jake from a town that Ohio and Michigan fought over. There's a town that they fought over? Apparently. It's got to be like right on the border. I don't know if I know any border towns between them. Okay. You got me. I'm stumped. What is it? No idea. Dear Peter... Dear Robert, Peter, Archie, and Blake. I also don't know who they are. Robert, Peter, Archie, and Blake. Uh-huh. Um, Maybe Ohio State. I don't know. Archie Griffin. He's from Ohio. Toledo. Okay. Is apparently the town. Okay. In Commissioner. The 18, early 1800s. <sighs> wow. Love to see That's that documentary. Your... I'm the commissioner of a new 12-team dynasty league. Everyone in the league is new to dynasty, but fairly experienced in redraft. None of us really know how to value draft picks. I'd like to trade my first-round pick in the startup draft. I'm the sixth pick. How many picks should I be looking for in return? Tough question. I'm sorry, say again? He's in a startup dynasty draft. This is a brand-new dynasty league. Nobody has uh, dynasty experience, so he wants to know what his sixth overall pick is worth. And this is not a rookie draft. This is a startup dynasty draft. He wants to trade his sixth overall pick. How many picks should he be looking for in return? Wants to trade sixth overall. What um, should he want back? So, like, certainly he'd want a second round pick back. You'll probably want to do something like a two and a three for your one and your six. Yeah, unless you could still trade in the first round. I would not want to trade out of the first round in a startup dynasty league. Well, I mean, if you're getting two twos or, you know, maybe two twos, two threes. Right. Uh, you're two and another two. I mean, you know, so. You're yeah, getting somebody know. second, somebody's third. A little scary. You know, like a, I don't know if i do one and six for two and three. I'd probably do like one and eight for two and three. All right, Jacob, thank you very much for the email. And thank you all for listening. Back tomorrow with the top five wide receivers on Fantasy Football Today. See ya.